Welcome, everybody, uh, the, to uh, a holy mess with his holiness, Father Paul Hulis. I am your holy mess, uh, Father Paul. Uh, I'm very grateful to uh, welcome you all to my first ever uh, podcast, uh, my first episode on my first ever podcast, a holy mess with his holiness, not holiness, his holy mess. Father Paul. Uh, very grateful to have you here, and uh, I'm very grateful to be here in the uh, Chop Sports uh, studios with uh, Dave Sturcio from uh, Chop Sports here, uh, producing this show and also going to be uh, uh, helping me run this show, asking me some questions to introduce this. So uh, welcome, Dave, to you. Thank you very much for having me, man. This is actually really cool. And just when you thought, you know, I, I sit here and I do the network, right? We have our own podcast network. And and just when you thought we had uh, every single type of podcast come in here to record, um, this is a first. I have to say that I'm not aware of any other podcast hosted by a priest. I, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not aware of it. Maybe you are. Maybe there's podcasts you listen to, but not me. Uh, yeah, I'd have to think about that. I think there are uh, some, some a few. I know there's one by uh, Father Mike Schmitz uh, with Ascension Press. He's a huge following, mm -hmm. uh, much better looking guy than me. Uh, that <laughs> this might is why, be why. This why it's radio only, so you exactly. don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but yeah, it's just something I wanted to do, and uh, I listen to podcasts a lot. I like podcasts, and you know, my thing, I mean, I'm very nervous. This is my first time doing it. I mean, I have a history, a little bit of a history in entertainment and, uh, and things like that, and people probably already know that I try to be, you know, big on social media with uh, trying to be a, um, a person of joy because I think that too many people think that Christianity is merely about like following just a, a dry set of rules, you know, uh, just rules and regulations, follow this and you'll go to heaven. You don't follow this and, you know, you have this fear, fear God fearing uh, and go to hell vision of, uh, of God that, that you'll go to hell. And it's so much more than that. Uh, religion, especially Catholicism is really about love. It's about joy. It's about peace. It gets a bad rap and don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sugarcoat the, the filth that we have seen within the church and the scandals and everything like that. But fundamentally at the root of the Catholic faith is about love, true love and freedom and mercy and all that stuff. And I just want this to, to go out to a broader audience, not so much to the people that are already going to church, not already to the people that already consider themselves holy rollers, but to the people that are like, what's the deal? Or maybe I don't believe, or why should I believe? Why should I give two seconds, you know, uh, to have anything to do with Christianity? And uh, that's why I do some of the silly videos that I do because you know, if I'm just giving a lecture about, you know, the Bible on YouTube, you know, 99% of people that don't go to church probably aren't going to follow that. But if they see this like silly priest acting crazy and do, trying to be funny, they might be like, is that really a Catholic priest? And, you know, so if they can see that like Catholics and priests can be people of joy and laugh at themselves, uh, then maybe they might give it another shot and say like, well, what's this all about? You know, I like that. The truth is, is that I think that the church has failed people in its actual core mission, which is like actual true love and a relationship with, with a God who is free, uh, faithful, total, and fruitful. And too much, I think we've just ins instilled the rules and the fear 
And in no way am I the answer. I just want to be able to give people on this podcast, hopefully in a funny, entertaining way, what I have been given. Because never in a million years did I ever, ever think that I was going to end up being a Catholic priest, ever. I got to ask, just because of the the simple fact, like I said, I've never seen a uh, a, a Catholic podcast or a priest doing a podcast. I got to know. Is it something that it's, was this the journey the entire time? Like you're growing up, you're a sports fan. I'm assuming maybe not. I don't know. Like what, what's your story, man? Like where do you, where does this all start? Well, uh, starts in Garfield, New Jersey, born okay. and raised Garfield. Uh, we have three uh, NFL players that, that came from Garfield. First, Wayne Corbett mm-hmm. on the Jets. I didn't know him personally. I did get to meet him. He's a little older than me. Then you get uh, Louis Castillo, uh, okay. on the, who was on the San Diego Chargers. I did play football with him in the juniors. My brother played with him in high school. And then, of course, you got Miles Austin. With That's the, my uh, guy. Yeah, <laughs> Miles Austin, Dallas Cowboys from Garfield. Was good friends with my brother and uh, As I was telling you yesterday, in high school, uh, my brother Kevin threw Miles his very first uh, football uh, career football touchdown ever. That's incredible. Yeah. So, uh, so it starts in Garfield, and um, I mean, you know, I had great parents, mom and dad, Colleen and Paul, and uh, again, I had a brother. uh, He's in heaven now. I still have have a brother, but he's in heaven. Kevin, Uh, he passed away a couple years ago, and um, no, I mean. this was never in my mind to become a priest. I mean, I, I, w- I was really into sports. I originally wanted to be a major league baseball player f- playing for the Yankees. That's why you know, I was really convinced of that one time in my life. Um, and then I wanted, my big thing was wanting to be a, uh, a famous actor and comedian. So being a priest, furthest thing from my mind, the fact that's like, that's the thing that I want to let people know. And it, it's not to like reflect me or my goodness, but the fact that like I, that Paul Hulis from Garfield, New Jersey, ended up becoming a Catholic priest is ridiculous. Right. Like in a good way, you know, it, it was, I was not brought up. My parents are great people. And of course they brought us to the church and made us go through the sacraments, and everything. But were we, were we a very, very religious family? No, absolutely not. That's not a criticism on them. It's just, they did the best they could, you know, with the, with, the, with, with how they were raised or whatever. And, and, you know, to the best of their ability. So it's, it's just a, it's a long story, but I can tell you that, it didn't start out with one day me being like, you know what? I want to think about the priesthood. It more started with like, what does it even mean to like actually be a Christian? What does it mean to, to be a good Catholic? What does it mean to live for Christ? You know? So it wasn't about like one day I was like, Oh, maybe I should become a priest. It was like, well, you know what? I keep hearing about this God and I keep hearing about Jesus. What does it even actually mean? Because however I'm living my life right now is not working. Okay. You know, because I try to do things my way a million times and I'm very stubborn. I am not one to just believe in something because somebody tells me to believe it. I will ask you a million questions. So is, was it a, a, no pun here, but a come to Jesus moment where it was like, okay, now it's time to like, you had interest, you had curiosity. What made you take that first step to say, you know, all right, I don't want to do this anymore. This is what I want to do. I mean, to be, just to be honest with you, I was I was miserable. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's a, a million different stories. I wrote some down, and I'm sorry if this is all over the place, no, but no. Um, I mean, I, I could tell you that when I was uh, 16 years old, well, I, how about I, I, I'll tell you this, okay? So um, at a certain point in my life, so my life was sports, 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 okay? And then unfortunately in seventh grade, um, you know, like, 
I know a lot of kids or whatever, but like I got into using some recreational drugs. All mm-hmm. right. Started out with marijuana. That became a constant thing to try to make a long story short. You know, I was one of those people. Some people could do that stuff socially and it doesn't affect their life. It did for me. I became an addict by nature. I'm, I'm, I have the disease of addiction. So unfortunately by the time eighth grade came and certainly by the time freshman year came, like all of my dreams of, and, and even my, my, my desire to play sports. Cause I played, you know, uh, football and then basketball and then baseball year round football, basketball, baseball. I used to play soccer too. That's what I wanted to do. But then I got heavily into drugs and some harder drugs than that. And, um, I lost all interest. I literally freshman year of high school walked off of triple threats because I was like, why? I don't want to do this. I just rather go and, and get high. Like I was 14 years old and it was all day, every day. It was all day, every day, you know, and it wasn't like I was this horrible kid. It's just like, that's what I got sucked into, you know, and I came from a really great family. So it was not easy on my parents. My parents were not the type of people that are like, oh, yeah, just let him do whatever he wants. No, like they were really good parents. And I think it is because they were such great parents and because like they wouldn't just let me get away with whatever I wanted, because at that time I wanted to do whatever I wanted with whoever I want, wherever I want. And because they were on my back, they made it very hard for me. Mm -hmm. So I ended up getting clean at the age of 14. So I was really only doing stuff for about two and a half years. And I've been clean and sober ever since May 21st of 1997. And I will say that. So I tell you all that to tell you this, that, you know, I I ended up getting clean. It was very, very hard. And when I ended up getting clean, I, it was like, I forgot what I used to do for fun before I was getting high and drinking because that's all I did that be, that became my life, my hobby. And it was almost like I had to learn to have, have fun again. And when I was a sophomore in high school, I was just messing around. So all my whole freshman year high school up until May, like it was, it was bad with the drugs. And then long story short, I ended up getting clean at the very end of freshman year. And then that summer was, was life changing for me. That sophomore year in high school was very hard because I had to have a complete new set of friends now, complete new set of friends. And one day I was just in the hallways messing around and I was probably just doing a little bit of Elvis Presley. I always liked Elvis. And this girl said, you know, you're actually not bad. You might want to try out for the school musical that, that, that we're going to have. And I was like, no way. Those, those people are corny. Like, what are you out of your mind? I'm not going to do that. But a couple people talked me into it. So I was like, all I got to do is go there and do Elvis. And they said, yeah. I was like, okay. Because that's all, I mean, that's all I know how to do. <laughs> right. So I went and I, and the director was like, okay, you got the part. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, well, what do I got to do? He goes, well, because the, the play was called Bye Bye Birdie. Okay. And so the main character was Conrad Birdie, which was really a play off of Elvis Presley going to the army. So he said, just rent everything that you can about Elvis Presley. So that's what I did. And I just fell in love with acting and with uh, not singing so much, but just with the arts and entertainment. And I was a big comedy guy as well. So I was always trying to, I mean, obviously I did that play Bye Bye Birdie, but then I got involved with doing the talent shows at school. And then um, you know, at some point, uh, you know, I became totally obsessed with Jim Carrey. I mean, this is the 90s. I'm a total 90s. My favorite movie of all time to this day is Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Oh, gem. Um, what a gem yeah, of movie Yeah, is. Ace Ventura. And then, you know, but then the, the opposite spectrum, like Titanic came out, the movie when I was in high school, and Leonardo DiCaprio. So I was like, I'm going to be the next Leo <laughs> and Jim Carrey in one. You know, like that, that was my dream. When I was a senior in high school, 
for the video yearbook, they were like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I was like, I'm not just going to be the next Jim Carrey, but I'm going to be the first Paul Hulis. Okay. You know? So like, that was it. That was my vision. Now I say that to say this, that when I got off of the drugs, not only did I become somewhat addicted to the whole entertainment world, right? Which is, that was like, a, a, I guess in a sense, a good thing. But then I guess my new drug became women. All right. And I'm not saying in the sense that like I was like just using all I mean, I was very young, but like in the fact that like if I had a girlfriend, they became my everything in my life. I didn't know as a teenager that like you have your own identity. Like it doesn't matter what he thinks of you or she thinks of you. Like my my thing my whole life is always like I feel based on what you think, you know? So I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be the man. If I had a girlfriend, like I wanted me to be her life. It was unhealthy. And so this really great, what started out as a great relationship, my junior high school, because I was so insecure, I was jealous, I became obsessive and a little possessive. It didn't work out. I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to been with me. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, so, but what I'm saying is that I put so much on that relationship that when she broke up with me, I was like literally a mess. I thought my life was over. It was almost harder than getting off of drugs. And this is where it all comes full circle to your question that. There was, I went to a Catholic high school, but that was it for me. I was like, okay, I go to a Catholic high school. I wasn't into my faith. But there was a, um, a priest named Father Mike Jolie, a blind priest. But man, it was like he saw everything you did. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept trying to get me to go on these retreats. And I was like, no, again, those, that's like for, for the nerds. Like that, those are for, you know, I'm not one of them, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but when she broke up with me, I was in pain and I didn't know where else to go. I didn't know what to do. And I went to him and he said, are you ready? And I said, yeah. And that was the first time I ever actually like willingly went to anything that had to do with God where I was slightly interested because it just, I just didn't want to feel this pain anymore. I just didn't want, it wasn't about, I want to get close to Jesus. It was like, I want to, I want to get better. So, you know, I'm not this guy that's like, oh, yeah, hey, I'm a priest now. And my whole life I was into Christ. Like, no, it didn't even start off with me wanting to get close to Jesus. I was just, I was just freaking broken. Mm. I was just a broken teenager. You know, I, I, that, that was it. I was a broken teenager. And I would say that it was on that retreat that it was the first time that, like, even though I had gone to Catholic school my whole life, um, it was the first time that I ever really had an understanding and appreciation for what Jesus did for me. I wasn't ready to commit to it yet, but I at least said, all right, I will always respect everything you did for me, God. I mean, now, I mean, there's really no commitment in just saying I respect. Um, but uh, that's it for now. <laughs> <laughs> as far as, you, as far yeah. as the journey goes. All right, well, cool. No, it's not. I mean, that's where that's, it starts. I, I want you to be. Yeah, that, that's where it starts. But I mean, I could keep going on and on and you know, I want to, well, I'm, I'm actually kind of curious now because now that that's your first go at it, right? It's your first, um, you know, look into the, the inner workings of, of the, you know, the Catholic religion a little bit more than what you've already done in your life. The CCDs of the world, the, the confirmations, yeah. right? All that stuff. So like when, after that first retreat, is it like, 
off to the races? Like, do you really feel like this is something that you could see yourself doing going forward? Like, now, look, I, I'm asking questions because, look, I, I was a practicing Catholic when I was younger. Not so much anymore. You know, like, I go, obviously, the weddings and funerals and, like, the the, the core things that a Catholic would go to and not feel like I'm out of place. Like, I've, I've done the sacraments. I've been here. You know, I know what I'm doing. Um, but, like, my question to you is, you know the the... I guess maybe this might be an old school mentality, but when the girl breaks up with you and you start doing this retreat thing, now, is it back then you would think that priests weren't allowed to get married, right? Or is that, am I completely wrong with correct, that? Correct. So that, that at that point, when, when you start that, that path, you're kind of like kind of punting on that situation. You're just like, all right, you know what? The heck with this. I kind of like the way this makes me feel. So I want to do this. Not yet. Okay. Uh, but it gets there and it what? Yeah. So, I mean the whole, like, becoming a priest and not getting married is is like, you know, right now you and I are in 1999. That's like a, a 2004 thing. You know okay. what I mean? Like that's what like I, 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 I take forever to tell a story. <laughs> but no, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, is that I went on that retreat and it was good and it was great, but I wasn't willing because the th see, the thing is, is that like, Living a life for Christ is not just about believing in God. You know, there's a lot of people that believe in God, but then that belief doesn't like affect how they live. They just are like, well, I believe in God. Well, I, you know, I don't have to like, you know, do anything specific. Well, okay, whatever. Like the devil believes in God, but he doesn't love him. Like Christ isn't just asking us to believe in him. He's asking us to love him. He's asking us to trust him. I wasn't ready yet because you know, and I'm sure we'll get into this in some future podcasts, but obviously like there's a moral life as well. Okay. So there's the belief, there's the faith. So the faith is like a believing in a God, but then there's also like the living in Christ, which is a moral life, which we would call, you know, like following the rules, but it's not really about following the rules. It's just about like living in love. It all comes down to love. But when I'm a 16-year-old kid and I'm hearing about, you know, what some of these, like, quote, unquote, rules are, I'm mm. like, well, I'm not ready to give that up. I'm not ready to do it. You know, like, because it was foreign to me. You know, I was brought up, and I'm sure you too. I mean, I'm brought up in a very, very secular culture, okay? And I grew up just like MTV and HBO. Like, that was what I watched constantly. Everything that I learned about, like, you know, being a kid and puberty and all that stuff, like, unfortunately, was... Buy MTV and yeah. HBO yeah. and stuff like that. So I didn't really have like this upbringing where somebody told me the truths in a good, beautiful way about why the church said, do, don't do this or don't do that. It was just like, oh, the church says thou shall not. Mm. And when you hear, when you're a kid and you're like, that shall not, well, what do you mean thou shall not? Well, why? Like, I want to know why, not just what. Okay, so like, you know, for one, one hot button issue, like, you know, the church teaches, oh, and you're, you're not supposed to have sex until you get married, right? right? So, you know, if you just say don't do that, and then but there's no like reason why you don't explain anything, you don't talk about like the actual love behind it. Well, who in the world is just gonna wanna like follow some rule, like you know, some distant rule? So, you know, and then it comes into a bunch of other stuff, which maybe we'll get into one day. But at 16 years old, I wasn't ready for that, right? Right? So, okay, I believe in you, but I'm not willing to give you my whole life right now. So things got worse. I went. I mean, the retreat was great, and the seed was planted there. But then I got involved in another relationship uh, at the end of my junior year into my senior year, and I ended up just getting uh, uh, my heart crushed. So after two very serious relationships where I am getting hurt. As a 17-year-old kid, senior high school, I said, you know what? I'm done giving my heart away, 
and I'm done getting hurt. Like I'm going to be, and I, I didn't mean this in the strict sense of the term, but like, I'm going to be like some ice cold pimp, you know, like my senior, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not getting involved in relationships. I'm just going to hook up. Hook yeah, up. Yeah. I'm going to be a player. I'm going to do as much as I can. Yeah. I was 17 years old because I was not giving my heart away anymore. And unfortunately, I became a pig. My senior year of high school, I, d- I did become a pig. And I wasn't living the life that I wanted to be, but I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be popular. I ended up becoming the, um, the mascot for the football team. Uh, so I was constantly traveling with the cheerleaders mm. and going to all the parties and everything like that. And even though I was still clean and sober, you know, but I was at all those parties, I was partying, you know, I I was able to have a good time without doing that stuff back then. And, but I didn't feel good. Something was missing. And all of a sudden one day, you know, because every year, because we're a Catholic, uh, a Catholic high school, we have a day retreat, right? It's a forced day retreat, but here's where my life really started to change. Mm -hmm. So, up until that point in my life, like people that talk about God are just um, older people, gray hair people, my, my grandparents. But here was like this team called the 12 Apostles. They were, they were uh, students at Seton Hall University that came in. This guy, Justin Fatika, he was a 19-year-old kid. And he's up there on stage talking to us high school kids. He's a young, athletic, good-looking energetic, strong guy doing handstand push-ups, cartwheel, like backflips, talking about Jesus Christ, using Rocky music and the Rocky movie clips. And you know, when Adrian comes out of a coma and she's like, just do me one thing, win. And like that song comes on, he had on these boxing gloves and he had all these people come out with a big sign with like a sin on it. And like the, the music, like, bam, 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 bam. like, so like, you know, like uh, drugs would come up to him. He'd knock it out, you know, mm-hmm. then like, you know, lust, he'd knock it out. And we were all, I was like, yeah, she amazing. Like, are you kidding me? It's possible to be like this guy and like Jesus. Like, I thought you just had to be like a corny nerd. That's what, <laughs> that's what I thought. Here's this guy. It, it was great. And our uh, president of the high school was so impressed with him that he offered him a job on the spot. And he ended up working at our high school my senior year and then beyond, just literally roaming the halls and working in the campus ministry department to bring kids to Christ. And I was like, even though he talked to a thousand kids that day in that auditorium, I felt like he was talking just to me. And when he got up at the end, I mean, a lot of people didn't even know he's Catholic. Seemed like a Protestant because he did the altar call. He's like, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ right now, then stand up and, and just raise your hand. I'm telling you right now, the entire school stood up. He had that much charisma. Mm-hmm. He had that much charisma. And I, I would like to tell you that it was from that moment, you know, that I was like, oh, gung-ho for Christ and started thinking about becoming a priest. No, but the seeds were planted. I was back in my back and forth for years from this, from, from when I was 16 until I was 21 years old, I was back and forth. I was really into my faith and then I wasn't, I was really into my faith and then I wasn't. Um, and I know I'm going back and forth, but I will tell you that when I graduated high school, I was going into the city every single day. I wanted to be a famous actor. I wanted to be a famous comedian. Um, I started doing, uh, background dancing on this MTV hip hop show called direct effect. So I was at MTV studios every day. Sometimes. Yeah, it was at the time I thought it was great. I was meeting all these rappers, all these, you know, some of my, my heroes, you know, I go up to Jay Z and I'm like, Hey man, thanks for what you're doing to, for hip hop. Like I had no idea what I was talking about. You know, I'm thanking him. You met Jay Z. I met, yeah, I met Jay Z. Yeah. More than once me and my brother are in his, um, 
what was the name of the show? Uh, you think you know, but you have no idea. The diary, the, okay, the MTV yeah, 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 diaries. Yeah. yeah, me and my brother, me and my brother are in that, and then we're also in a clip of um, the Jay Z and R Kelly video, uh, "Not Guilty." Okay, uh, from back. Yeah, That's it's like funny. very quick, very That's great, quick. Yeah, so I was. Cool. I met Busta Rhymes, Jay Z, uh, Redman. Um, so you're into the rap game. I was back then. Okay, totally into the rap game and MTV. Then I was with TRL and you know met Carson Daly and wow. all that. I was obsessed with Eminem. You got stories for days, man. Dude, that all for days. That's what I'm saying. Well, like I don't know how to. Guess make you this need a podcast. Hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I dyed my hair blonde. I wanted to be like Eminem. Oh like, my I was God. obsessed. Totally obsessed. <laughs> a lot of women back then told me that I kind of looked like Eminem. <laughs> now, when they see me 20 years later and 90 pounds later, they tell me it looks like I eat Eminems. But um, <laughs> so. Um, but, you know, I think I talked about this when I came here and I was on the, uh, the, the Jimmy Palumbo podcast, but I mentioned, like, he said, well, what, what changed? Like, why did you go from in the city every day wanting to be an actor slash comedian to then you end up going in the seminary? And again, it wasn't necessarily a religious thing, but, you know, 9-11 happened, 9-11, mm. 2001, which needs no explanation. And, um it changed everybody's life, especially if you were going into New York city every single day. And, um, it was probably the first time that like, I was really face to vet, face to face with the reality of death that like I could die at any second, you know, it, it like, that's not something that I thought about a lot. And shortly after nine 11, I started having severe panic attacks they were maybe somewhat related. Look, I'm not trying to say it. in no shape am I a victim of 9-11. I don't have a family member or a friend right. that was lost. No. Obviously, those people are very real victims. Of course. But I will tell you that up until that point in my life, all I wanted to be was famous. Like, that was my dream. And that was my drive. And when that happened, you, you couldn't go in the city every day. You know, I was, most of the comedy clubs I went to were down in the village, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, you just couldn't. And so it made me rethink my life. Uh, I also had spent a lot of money from a, 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 um, a lawsuit that happened, and I got a big lump of sum of money from when I was 18, and I spent it too quickly. And then I stupidly, stupidly, stupidly allowed somebody to talk me into, they really brainwashed me, of going off of uh, an antidepressant that I was on at the time. Because uh, my senior year of high school, I was put on some. And... Um, and I crashed. I crashed bad in the um, in uh, November two thousand one, and so it got to the point where I was having severe panic attacks day and night. Um, I'm not exaggerating, but not only were they panic attacks, but um, I didn't know this at the time, but it was a panic attack with agoraphobia. That's what I was uh, um, diagnosed with. So, for and for the common people, what is that? Agoraphobia. Yeah, I'm a, uh, agoraphobia. You, it's like you, um, you're basically afraid to, to go out. You're afraid to go out. Like you, you only stay in your home. Oh wow. You're okay. you're you're basically afraid of your own shadow. You know, like wow. you're you're afraid that something's going to happen unless you are in your own safe spot. And I had this. I would probably say for about three months straight. Wow. Without a doubt, it was, it was the darkest time of my life. Um, I, I always tell people that I was afraid to go to sleep because I was afraid, I was afraid to go to sleep because I thought I wasn't going to wake up. So I was scared to die in my sleep, but then I was afraid to wake up because I was scared to death to live. Like, wow. and I'm not trying to, you know, be like, I'm not what I'm, 
I'm not exaggerating. Like that's what was happening. I was full of panic, full of fear, couldn't work, couldn't go to school. And this was, you know, I was going into the city every single day up to this point. So it made me rethink everything. And at that point, when I'm like just terrified, being popular, being famous, having a girl on my arm, like those things didn't matter anymore. I literally wanted to be the, I used to lay down at Times Square and just look at the billboards and literally like picture myself on the billboards. And that didn't matter. All I wanted was one, I wanted, I knew two things were not okay in my life, my relationship with my family and my relationship with God. I needed to treat, treat my family a lot better and spend a lot more time and attention to them and God. Because remember, the seed was planted mm -hmm. when I was in high school, but now I'm out of high school going, see, that's the thing with faith, like with exercise, right? So last year, I lost 40 pounds. I was in the gym five days a week, two hours a day. I, I was in some of the best shape of my life. I was doing CrossFit, flipping tires, jumping 26-inch boxes. One year later, I regained all the weight. Just one year later, why? Because I stopped going to the gym and I'm not eating bad. So it's the same thing in the spiritual life. If you're not praying, if you're not going to church, if you're not you know, meditating or journaling, like it's just like working out, you get out of the habit and then it just becomes easy to get unhealthy again. So that's what was happening. I'd be really involved in my faith and then I'd stop. I'd stop going to the spiritual gym, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so, but now here I am 2002 terrified and I start to go to my parish. There was this, uh, priest there, uh, Father Pobo Kikio, one of the holiest guys I've ever met in my life. I had a million questions for him, uh, and I hope to have him on my podcast sometime soon. But uh, two things about uh, that church. One, there was a, a statue of Padre Pio. He's a very, very holy saint from Italy, only died in 1968. Uh, a lot of amazing healing powers through him. There was a, this beautiful statue there at that parish, and there was this beautiful crucifix. And I used to literally put my hand in Padre Pio's in the statue. I'd look around, make sure nobody was there so they wouldn't see me hugging a statue. <laughs> but <laughs> I heard about this guy and like, you know, these like real life stories of him through his prayers, people being healed. I would literally cling to him. And I'd say, look, I, I am terrified. I, I have no idea what's going on. Please help me. Please, 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 please. I would cling, cling to this statue. And I'm telling you now, there were times where I felt unbelievable peace in that. In his, now I know it's just a statue, but in his presence. The other thing was I was kneeling down um, in the church all by myself, and I looked at the crucifix. And this is what's going to answer your question, is that when I looked at the crucifix, I said, God, if you get me through this, if you get me through this darkest time of my life, I will dedicate my life to helping your children. I didn't know that meant priesthood. I thought that I would just stop trying to be an, an actor and comedian and become like a therapist or a counselor. But I said, if you get me through this, I will dedicate, because I found out for the first time that life was a lot more than just me. Everything was me, 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 me. And I was like, all right, I need help. And I hope that you use this so that I could help others. And honestly, a couple years later, he, he, he called me on it and it had to do with going into the seminary to become a priest, which I was not happy about at first at all. Um, but, and we could get into that, I guess, in the next segment or whatever, but um, that's what led me to total and complete surrender. It was because I was absolutely broken and I had no other place to go. 
if God is all powerful, then he's the only one that, that can restore me to sanity because I was losing my mind. So at that point, it's, I mean, that's a great story in its, in its entirety, meaning like, hey, I'm so glad you were at your darkest. You know what I mean? No, I'm saying like, it takes something like that. And that's really cool and really inspiring, uh, especially from an outsider's point of view. Um, so now you have a million stories. You got to save them for the rest of the way. But I have to ask you, why a podcast? Why now? What, what's the message behind it? What do you want to get out of this, man? Well, the fact of the matter is that, like, I am somebody who, you know, as, as my friend Justin Fatika said over the weekend uh, up in Syracuse to the Heart as Nails missionaries, he's like, if, if Paul Hulis can become a priest, like, anyone can become a priest, you know, and not just becoming a priest, but, like, if Paul Hulis can, you know, get his ish together, then anybody can. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it's not just about me getting my ish together, but, like, I was lost. So I just want to give hope. I want this podcast to be like a faith-based podcast that gives people hope, but does it, yeah, in serious ways as we're having serious conversations, but also through, you know, humor and entertainment because I still like doing comedy. Mm -hmm. I still like doing funny media stuff. Like I like all that stuff. I do have a serious message, but I also want to let people know that like I'm a regular guy. You know, yes, I am a Catholic priest, but I'm a human being and I'm a very weak human being that God has blessed. God does not, and this is not just in the priesthood, but in any area of life, like God doesn't just call the qualified, he qualifies the call, okay? He doesn't just call the qualified, he qualifies the call. And God don't make junk. God doesn't make junk, nobody's a mistake. My friend, Dr. Christopher West says that every single person is unique, unrepeatable, and indispensable. And I know in our culture, we raise certain people up, you know, celebrities, athletes, and, 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 and all that stuff. And whatever, that, that's fine. But every person is special. Every, like, you, you have children, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm sure you look at them and they're everything to you, mm -hmm. right? Those are your children. You do anything for them. Absolutely. And it's hard for us to realize that that's how God sees every single one of us. He, as his child, that he would do, literally, he did. That's why. So I want people to know that, like, Holiness, so the, the name of this podcast is um, A Holy Mess with His Holy Mess, me, <laughs> um, because holiness is messy. Like God entered a very, very messy, dirty world, and he didn't just clean it up. He, he, he used it. He, he took on the mess, and that's what we say. Like he took on death. What is that? He took on sin. He took on death. He took on the mess. He took on evil, and he flipped it on its head. You know, so we strive for holiness in a messy world. To be holy doesn't mean to have it all together, to have all your stuff together. You know, I wish I could use another word, but I can't to have all your ish together. But I haven't, rather, heard, I haven't heard the phrase ish in a long time. All right, so so here we go. Here, here we go. I learned this from Dr. Christopher West. Okay. Uh -huh. God, holy, this, this for me is, is, is everything. Holiness is not about having your ish together. It's about opening up your ish to the loving mercy of the father. That's what holiness is. Holiness is, is living, is allowing God into your life as you are. It's about living, walking with God. It's not about, you know, climbing a mountain to where God is on the top. No, it's about God, like allowing God to walk with us to the top of the mountain. So I have some gifts and I, I like media and I like comedy. And so that's what I want to do. And I want to interview people and I want to talk and I still have so much more of my own story to tell, but, um, that's, that's why I'm doing this. It sounds like a, sounds like a very interesting time is ahead. 
So, Father, take us home on episode one. I think this was a great one. And, uh, you know, tell people where to find you and how to follow you and and obviously all your, your plugs. And then, uh, you know, you're off to the races, man. This is a very interesting concept. I'm very intrigued by this. I will be obviously, uh, you know, producing and editing, but I also am a, a already a follower and a subscriber to your podcast because this is the kind of stuff that I want to hear. All right. Well, first of all, thank you. I want to thank Chop Sports Media, Chop Sports Network. I want to th- thank Dave Sturcio, first of all, for the, um, the amazing logo that you created for this <laughs> podcast. Thank yeah. you. It's awesome. Um, and uh, how do I take you home? I don't know. I want to keep talking. So uh, <laughs> we're going to have some guests. We're, uh, I asked uh, uh, Dr. Christopher West. He agreed to be on this podcast. I asked Chris Stefanik. He agreed to be on this podcast. Justin Fatika. He agreed to be on this uh, podcast uh, and many, many, many more. So uh, it is my hope. Uh, oh, you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. My name is Father Paul Hulis. Uh, You know, Google me. I'm sure it'll come up. And uh, please be patient with me as I learn from Dave and Chop Sports how this podcasting works. Uh, I'm a little all over, all over the place. I'm sure that there's more to plug. Uh, but the main thing is, is that God loves you as you are. He may not want to keep you where you are. But he loves you where you are, but he also wants to bring you closer to him. And you are not beyond hope in any which way, shape, or form. There's nothing that I did to deserve this. It's just that I asked for help. I, I, I asked for help. And sometimes that's the greatest prayer that we could ever pray. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to be weak. You do not have to have it all together. Nobody is perfect, but God loves you perfectly. He loves you perfectly in your imperfection. And that's the main thing that I want to let people know on this podcast. So God bless you. I love you. Pray for me. Pray for us priests. Pray for the church. Pray for our leaders. And pray for all the families out there, the moms and dads, the families. I was at a family's house just the other night. Eight children. (laughs) Eight children. They had two that already went to heaven. They had 10 and two when they have two in heaven. And yet they are still doing it somehow. How? Why? Because of the grace of Christ, all things are possible in him.